This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome to Cottage Talk Full-Time. I'm Russ Goldman, and joining me right now is Emilio Donnell. This is our initial reaction to Fulham's 3-0 loss to Hull City at Craven Cottage. This was an embarrassing match, and Emilio was there. He's going to share his view, so let's not waste any time. Emilio, opening thoughts on what you watched at Craven Cottage. That was pretty bad. Hey, Russ. uh, Well, how long have we got today on the show? (laughs) To be honest, it was... That was dismal. That was as dismal a performance as we'll see all season. Um, you know, it was humiliated against you know against a whole team who had a game plan. Um, they you know, they they played to our weaknesses very yep. well. You know, they, they, they you know they played on the break. You know, they knew that we're liable to make the mistakes in defence, and they capitalised. But overall, that was a you know, that was dire. Because one shot on target yes. against a, a mid-table team. That's not acceptable with a with the type of play know, just really from the moment the referee blew the whistle for the start of the game, that I think we were second best throughout. You know, we were lucky early on when their their striker, one of his players, had a soft shot on target that he should have buried. Um, then we had the Joe Bryan injury, and I think that that was a big contribution. That was probably the turning point in the game for me. I totally you know, agree Joe with Bryan, you. I think that was a turning point. I think it was it, that injury doesn't look good, so let's hope he's not out for too long. But you know, um, you know, we lost a bit of momentum in a few minutes. You know. Joe Bryan getting treatment, and to be honest, it, it was what was what was surprising is bringing Lemachon as, as, as a you know putting Lemachon on the right. That's the beggar's belief, really. I would have put Dennis Adoy there and bring on Stephen Session and, and and play two two plays more comfortably at full back rather than being Lemachon who was at fault for the first goal and should have right. done better with the second goal. Um, so overall, very very disappointed. Um, we were lackluster, dismal. There's no man of the match for me out there. Um, and you know we've just got to go back to the training ground on Monday and and regroup. But we're not getting the best out of these players. And that's the thing. The no. Something's not not quite functioning at the moment. Um, there were a lot of boos out there, but you know, but we've got to give the manager time. Um, so uh, 
yeah, most fans will go home extremely disappointed, but something needs to change quickly. If, otherwise, we're going to start falling behind the top two and, and all the best we can hope is a, a playoff place. But you know, it's dismal all round. So very, very disappointed performance. Emilio, while watching this match, this is what I was thinking because Fulham's pattern is to start slow, maybe an average to a below average first half, and then you see a difference in the second half. Now, we did see a difference in the second half. We saw a better performance, but at no point did I feel that Fulham were opening Hull City up. They seem comfortable. I want to give Hull City credit. I can't stand them, mm-hmm. okay, but I have to give them credit. <laughs> Because they had, like we talked about, I read an article on the Hull City website from their assistant coach, and he basically just said that they were coming, they had a game plan, they were going to see it out, and that they were going for the victory. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but they obviously figured out how to play against Fulham, and it worked very well because at no point did I feel that Fulham were really bothering Hull City. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. If we look at that first half, you know, we, there were a couple of crosses from the from the left into the penalty area. You know, some of those I think Cavalera won. It might have been Reed with the second one, but there were some 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 opportunities. You know, if we had more men, you know, pushing into the into the six yard box, maybe we should have done better. I think Mitrovic had a, a, a header that he should have hit, should have done better and went wide. Um, so it's not to say there were half chances, but. With all that possession, we didn't really, you know, create enough clear-cut openings. You know, we weren't getting behind the whole defence often enough. Um, just a bit too slow. Tom Kenny was so slow in that first half. This is yeah. Tom Kenny of the Premier League. You know, just literally, no, no, you know, no, it wasn't sideways, backwards. You know, just just be a little bit more positive. And with those, just there's something not quite right. There's a lot of insight. I know it might, might have it might be to do with frustration, but you just see the. The, the way the players are talking to each other it seems to be like a bit of, you know, swearing between players. You know, there's a bit of frustration. Why weren't you there? I tried to pass the ball to you there and you should have pushed on. It, 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 whether that's just a one-off today with frustration and disappointing performance, or is there more behind the scenes that we may not know about? You know, right. So it's something just to be aware of because I saw a lot of anxiety, frustration, even in the first half when players were just like bickering with one another and, and you know, having verbals with each other within our own team. So it's, that's not good enough, but I agree with you. Hull deserve some credit. They do. They came up with a game plan and, you know, deservedly won today. We just need, we just offered very, very, very little today. Absolutely there, Emilio. And uh, I normally leave this for the uh, post-match show, but I think that the stats are kind of telling, and I want to get your thoughts on this, because I saw someone tweet out about the possession. 75%, Emilio, mm-hmm. 25%. As we know, it's what you do with that possession. But mm-hmm. you mentioned this statistic, which I'm going to be sharing in just a second. Let's start with total shots. Fulham had eight. Hull City had ten. But the glaring stat that you already talked mm-hmm. about, this is the one that stands out. One shot on target, Emilio. And mm-hmm. that's five for Hull City. And they were actually much more efficient with their opportunities. Yeah. Now, the last goal was a joke. I don't know if you got a good view of their last... Basically, the player fell over and scored. I mean, that was a joke, okay? But the other two goals, you know, again, they were just being efficient with their opportunities. They were avoidable. You know, I saw... Exactly. Mawson Mawson came for a challenge in halfway, wide on the the right for that first goal, if I remember rightly, for Hull City's first goal. He missed the challenge... And then they, they attacked, and to be honest, they had ample time to score that goal. The ball, the ball was crossing to the penalty, and Lamashon 
you know, was just in no man's land. The guy had enough time to check the ball down and find a, you know, and find his shot in the bottom corner. You know, that's that's a training ground goal. You know, Le right. when I was speaking to him the other week, about 20 minutes, a very nice guy. I was talking to him about, you know, how are you managing to keep yourself upbeat and positive whilst you're not getting game time? And he said, look, he's not getting opportunities because um, the other players in defence are playing better than him. So he just has to bide his time. He right. was given an opportunity, unfortunately, screwed it up. So, um, yeah. But again, I question why was he brought on? And, you know, why wasn't Stephanie on a more natural fullback brought on instead of a much So tactically, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a criticism there from my part for Scott Parker. So I think Marshall offered nothing coming forward, albeit looked fairly comfortable after, you know, after, after making that error with the first goal. Right. And let's talk about the first goal because you were just talking about these goals were preventable. We can even say the third goal is preventable because that was, again, just a joke how that goal ended up in the net. But <laughs> let's talk about the first one. You already were talking about Maxine Lamarchand, but it's even more. It's just the whole situation that leads up to the first goal, Amelia. Your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. You know, just you know, when Morton just went, you know, didn't get challenging. And, you know, Hull had a more, were more determined. They were only going one way, you know, direct with pace. And they yep. exploited. You know, we've got two... Two very pacey wide men. Knockout was on the bench again today, but Cavalera had a reasonable first half. But you know they're, they're more direct with their with their you know, with their possession and their football. They got the ball into the penalty area, and Marchand should be clearing that. Someone of his quality, or you know, someone deemed to be Premier League quality when we signed him 18 months ago, obviously, you know, was quite rusty. You can tell that he was, he was a bit slow off the mark, and it's quite clear he hasn't been playing for some time. And that's the reason why. So he has right. his chance to to redeem and push for a more regular starting place and unfortunately, you know, messed up. That, that was avoidable, that goal. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm glad that you talked about it because the way I'm looking at it, because we're talking about Fulham's performance, and we're, we also have to talk about Hull City's performance, and we're already mentioning it in different ways, but I think the word that stands out to me that shows the difference between the play of both teams going forward when they had their opportunities, it's intent, Emilio, mm-hmm. because when Hull had the opportunities. They had some serious intent. Like you said, it was direct, but it had a plan behind it. They were going forward, and when Fulham had the ball, it just seemed like they were more passive. They were mm. not aggressive enough. Being at mm. home, they were. They seemed more, I guess you could say, conservative than they should have been at home. They let that team sit in and basically be comfortable defensively, and then yeah. the exact opposite happens. When Hull City got the ball, they were extremely aggressive. So mm-hmm. an aggressive team came to Craven Cottage and basically took three points. You could say yeah. what they did, you know, that they didn't have the ball that much. It doesn't matter. It's the scoreboard. It's the scoreline. It's 3-0, and they deserve the victory, Emilio. I, I can't look at it well, any look, other way. In the Stoke game a few weeks ago, same right. thing. what was our possession to get away to Stoke City? And then we came away with a a disappointing 2-0 defeat there as well. Same thing again, a lot of possession, but no no end product. You know, how many, no how many end product, we nothing. Three games out of four that we haven't scored, Stoke, Borough and Hull City, with the exception of Luton Town, which was uh, far, from, you know, far from convincing win as well. So it's like, right. I think it's five points out of 15 against teams that you'd be expected typically to win if you want to get promoted out of this division. So that, that's a warning sign. There's, there's something to be concerned about there. Totally agree. And, Let's talk about this because Fulham definitely had an opportunity at the end of the first half. And again, if if this goal goes in, if this shot goes in from Mitro, the header that just 
mm, goes mm. wide. Okay, maybe it's a different match, but it doesn't. Yeah. So they're down 1-0 at the half, and Parker makes a change. He brings on Narkart mm-hmm. for Decadova Reed. Again, fine, I, I get that. Yeah. And uh, But then after that, obviously, listen, Fulham were controlling the play in the second half, but it goes back to intent, Emilio, because yeah. when Hall City had their opportunity to score that second goal in the 57th minute by yeah. Bowen, again, a player that really knows how to score goals, really mm, knows how yeah. to score. Let's talk about the second goal because this, again, you can have all the time with the ball. It's mm. what you do with it, and this was what Hull City did in this match. Yeah, absolutely. And again, that, you know, from what I recall, there, you know, it, it, well, I was actually talking to the guys around me. Said, you know, don't be surprised they're going to score from this because it's just a, it's a long ball from defence, and it was the, the striker took, controlled it well, took, took yep. it down. But I think it looked like he turned. It was the other side of the pitch for me, but it looked like he turned Le Marchand inside out and actually scored. You know, scored a comfortable goal, well taken goal. If if one of if a Cavalera or Knockout scored a similar goal, we'd be applauding them for that. So well taken goal again. We look sluggish in defence. You know we can't you can't yep. get turned around that easily. Nope. Against you know you know in that, in that position we need to be doing better. We need to be, and, and again I think that was avoidable again. But again long ball from defence, well controlled. Turn your defender inside out. Bang back bottom bottom corner two nil. Right, and it's two nil at that point, and then Parker makes a change. I want to get your thoughts on this. He brings on Abubakar Kamara, takes off a doy. This is a roll of the dice at, at this point. This was yeah. an attempt to change the match a little bit, change how things were flowing in Millie. But what's interesting, I don't think it did anything. No, but the irony was, guys behind me I was talking about, uh, I was actually saying I want Knockout and Kamara to come on at half time. I was banging on about it. I said, <laughs> one nil down against an average team. Yep. Kamara is unpredictable. The surface is wet. We yep. need someone who who likes to attack. He may not be the best quality player in the world, but you don't you, you don't know what you're going to get with him. So I thought, throw the dice, get him get them both on. Take off take yeah. off Stephen Johansson, take off Bobby Reed, and 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 give it best and give it a go. And I I don't think bringing on Kamara eventually worked when he went to you know, He should have come on when it was one nil down with two okay. a double substitution. That was what I was calling for. And the guys behind me were actually saying, some of them were agreeing, some of them were saying I was talking nonsense, but actually. You don't know what he's going to get with him on a stiff free pitch. All he right. plays is a penalty, one nil down. But to bring it on when you're two nil down, and to be honest, there didn't seem to be no rapport between the players. Two nil down, no. frustration. Knockout was getting frustrated. Mitrovic wasn't winning, you know, many balls. The you know the the weight of the passing was poor at times. It was just just seemed to be no communication between the players. Yeah. And again, is that just because you're losing two nil and three nil against Hull? Or is there something more concerning behind the scenes that that's not quite clear at the moment? I'm not sure there, my friend. It's a good point because, like I mentioned to you when I was talking about it at the beginning when we were doing full-time, disjointed. That's the best word that I could Mm, use. Yeah. And there's also a point, I don't know, for those who saw it at half-time, so the the referee blew the whistle at half-time, 1-0 down. Scott Parker was charging at 100 miles an hour on that pitch and waving his pace. Come on, get into the dressing room. He was waving, get on. So... Okay. The likes of Timmy Morrison who were walking to the dressing room suddenly started jogging to the dressing room because Parker was furious. You can see yeah. he, was, he was a man absolutely peeved because he's storming towards the dressing room and then Boise waving his saying, hurry up, let's get in there and start having a team talking. So it wasn't good enough. So he recognized that first half again was, was, was awful. And it's, it's, I think we've said it a few games against Luton, again, first half. Why are we playing very slow and passive each game, especially in the first half? 
we offer very, very little. That's um, right. So, but when I spoke to him, that's his philosophy. He said he wants to play the ball out of defence. He wants to play it within the penalty area. That possession is key to keep control of the game. But like we said, you may control the game in terms of possession, but if you've only scored one, you know, three of the last four games with no goals scored, that, that, your philosophy is not working, Scott, at the moment. Yeah, it's not. And again, he's a young manager, and you and I talked about this, Emilio, and I think this is a good way to end full-time is talking about Scott Parker because you can imagine – what's being written on social media right now. I'm sure it was also on display at Craven Cottage. Maybe you can talk about that if you heard any chance about Parker out, because if you go on social media, it's pretty, it's pretty much out there. So you and I were talking about this and you gave a, a good analogy talking about Frank Lampard. You said that at, this at the beginning of the season as well, that um, they're going to be ups and downs with a new manager and, You just might have to see it out as he learns. So I want to get your thoughts on Scott Parker, what is going on right now, and what you think the future is with him at Fulham. Do you think he should feel threatened for his job right now, or do you think that Fulham need to just, like with Frank Lampard, see this thing out, let him get his experience, let him learn from his mistakes? Yeah, I think the latter, you know, I'm, you know, it's disappointing to see a number of fans booing him today. I think he obviously some of it's frustration. Um, you know, I'm not his biggest fan. I'm, I'm, I'm very open about that. But you've got to give managers time. And you know, I, I've always said it. We're going to. It's going to be like a Frank Lampard type season. He didn't set right. the world alight with Derby County, but he got them into the playoffs with a scruff of their neck with a fairly low point tally in sixth place and got them into the final. So, and then what is he doing now? He's now the Chelsea manager and actually getting plaudits for. You know, making the best use of all the young English players that they've got in their team. So, to be honest, I'm not saying Scott Parker's going to be managing a Premier League team anytime soon, but what I'm saying is I think he's got to be given time. If we have three or four consecutive games playing like today, then it's a different story. But if you go to Birmingham City away next week and get a victory, you know, there'll be less, there'll be less concern about whether he's the right man for the job. But we've got to give him time. Um, we've got to be patient. He's young. He will learn from his mistakes. And, you know, I, when I spoke to him the other week in, in, in that event, I just, you know, I saw... A, a decent human being there who's trying to do the right thing for the club. Yeah. He knows he's got a, a he means well. job. In, the owners, exactly, does mean one. Well, the owners are backing him. And <laughs> Shahid Khan was there today. He won't be, he won't be best be seeing that performance out there today. But he'll have a he'll have a private conversation with him and just you know, and we'll give him his backing. But only if we're massively away from the top six will that will his position be threatened. If we're in contention for a playoff place. Scott Parker will remain the manager for, for, until further notice. I don't see him going, and I don't want him to go. To be okay. Honest. I think I want him some time. As much as I don't believe in him, I, you know, I've seen him around the manager, I would have preferred him to, be, to manage the club. You've got to give him time, and I don't want anyone at that young age to be pushed out of a job so soon. Let's give the guy a chance. Let's support okay. him. Let's back him. And, but you need to get the best more out of these players. That's, that's my concern. We're not getting the best out of these players. And totally agree, Emilio. That's, that's, um, that's something, something's not working at the moment. I can't put my finger on it. But it's, Lampard, the same thing last year, wasn't getting the best out of his, out of his team. The Derby fans were asking for him to be sacked. If I recall, you know, Andy Buckley-Taylor as well wasn't a big fan of Scott. I remember. Lampard, but when he, when he left, he was disappointed to see him go. That's right. The final. So, that's a good point. Let's, let's back him. Um, let's not overreact, but today felt when we lost to Birmingham City the, on the last game that Kit Simons was manager. Remember that five-two <laughs> humiliation at home? It felt like that game today. Same time of the season in, in early November. Yep. 
we were dismal then, we were dismal today. I'm not saying Scott's going to get the sack, but right. there was an air of, of concern in that stadium today, and something needs to turn around quickly, and we need to be picking up more points. Um, totally agree, against teams who are average, to say the least. So, but he shouldn't go, and he, he won't go whilst we're in contention for a top six place. That's, that's I totally opinion. agree with that, and I think that's a great way to end this because, like I said, there's going to be a lot of talk about Scott Parker and when he should get the sack. Doesn't matter what I think, what you think. What really matters is what the cons think. And I mm. know, based on what I heard from Tony Khan on the full Mish podcast, I'll mention this, that I remember him talking about Scott and, and also in interviews. It just seems to mm. me that they truly believe in him, talking about the yeah. club. But really, Tony Khan, I just find it hard right now that they're going to give up on him. Again, he was not my choice. I'll be the first. I'm putting my hand up right now. It wasn't my choice. But Likewise, I, yeah. Right. It wasn't our choice, Emilio. But at yeah. this point, you've got to give the guy a chance. I, I know people aren't going to like my answer. Either they're probably expecting me to say he should be out. I'm not going to say that because I think he deserves more time to figure it out. Yeah. It's a great example to talk about Frank Lampard. You don't do it now. You've got to give mm. him more of a chance. I understand why fans are saying Parker out. You can see it on social media. It's a, like, you know, again, listen, it happened to Slavisa. It happened pretty much as long as I've been following Fulham, except for Roy, I can remember those types of hashtags. So, again, it happens. So, I understand it. I just, at this point, I'm not with you yet on that. I'm not. I'm totally not with you on that. So, anyways, great job there, my friend. The only thing I, again, what is... What we haven't really seen yet is what's his philosophy. You know, I know his philosophy is to keep the possession, right. keep ball, create chances, be patient, and I get that. But I don't see we're necessarily seeing a system that's working well, Funkin. If you had to ask me to write 100 words in terms of what's, what's, what's Scott Parker's approach, strategy, and way of playing football, I'm not sure we will all get a similar answer. People are going to be asking, putting more question marks than you know, certainties on that paper. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's another concern as well. Is that, you know what is he? What is he, what? What's he? What? What philosophy is he trying to instill on the pitch? Other than I don't know. Possession? I don't think he's. And I don't think people, he's. He's found it yet. I, I think no, he's trying think, to find it. Yeah, and I think we've got to give him time. But I'm not seeing evidence of what he's trying to do yet. It seems yeah. to be. A, uh, let's. I'm not going to get overreact, but it's still early days. We've got to give the guy time. He's got potential, but yep. we just got to support him. You know, through good times and also the bad times. Yeah. And the bottom line is that I truly don't believe. The cons are going to sack him anytime soon. That no, just, no, no. I, I just happen. don't see it. Fans no, might want it. I just don't see it because of how much Tony Khan believes in Scott Parker. I just don't see it. I, I could be wrong, but I just don't see it. So in the meantime, even though I didn't want him in the first place, he's got my support. I hope he learns from his mistakes and let's move on and, and after I do the post-match show of this debacle, I'm going to move on. I, I still got a post-match show to do, my friend. We're going to be doing that. But um, <laughs> before we go, I just want to say thank you, Emilio, for joining me after after this uh, really bad loss. Any final thoughts yeah. before we go? Um, only final thought for me is the best ma- the best part of the match was Stefan Johansson's shithouse we challenge in the second half. That that, <laughs> that 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 was a, that was the best moment of the game for me. Okay. So well done, man of the match for me just for that. Thank you very much. <laughs> Good stuff. I know exactly what you're talking about there, my friend. All right. Well, let's wrap this up. For my co-host, Emilio Donnell, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you, as always, for listening to Cottage Talk.
The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.